Good morning. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Two weeks ago, we looked at Jesus getting his disciples and starting the revolution. And today we're going to read of Jesus showing his disciples how to be fishers of men. He is going to show his disciples how to extend the kingdom. So if, if you will, please uh, read this section with me. We'll pray. And then we will begin. Mark chapter 1 and verse 21, and we're going to go down to the end of the chapter. So this is a lengthy reading, so I hope that we're ready for this. Verse 21. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and began to teach. They were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching as one having authority. And not as the scribes. But then there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, What business do we have with each other? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet, and come out of him. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out, with a loud voice and came out of him. They were all amazed so that they be, so that they debated among themselves saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. Immediately the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding district of Galilee. Verse 29. And immediately after they came out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick, was lying sick with a fever. And immediately they spoke to Jesus about her. And he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she waited on them. Then they came after the sun had set. They began bringing to him all who were ill, and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city had gathered at the door. And he had healed, and he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. Verse 35. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus left the house and went away to a secluded pl place and was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for him. They found him and, he s and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also. This is important for this for that is what I came for. And he 
went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out demons. Verse 40. And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him, and falling on his knees before him, and saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was clean, cleansed. Verse 43, And he sternly warned him, and immediately sent him away. And he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded, as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could not long could no longer publicly enter a city but stayed at but stayed in unpopulated areas and they were coming to him from everywhere let's pray great god in heaven we thank you for the gospel of mark being preserved for us and as we read it and study it this morning Open our eyes as we ask every Sunday. Give us your knowledge and instruct us and help us to encourage one another. Help me as a, a preacher now to preach your word faithfully and draw attention to you. Please forgive us of our wrongs. And again, we ask that we see you and, and know you better after we, uh, we read and study this passage. Help us to be better preachers of your word. Help us to carry out your message, the mission, and become fishers of men. We pray this prayer in Christ's name. Amen. I do want to thank the visitors that are here. Uh, you are our, our honored guests. We are so thankful you're here. And I thank everyone for coming and, and studying the word of God together. Uh, today, even for the class and now for the sermon, um, I am very encouraged, and I, I know I can speak for Julie and myself. We are so thankful to be here. Uh, we love you all, and we are so excited for the future. Um, thank you for being you. When we were in Romania, Julie and I met another American family who were missionaries, and they were for a denominational uh, church. It was the Evangelical Free Church. And they, uh, Doug was the father, and I talked to him about evangelizing. He was in Romania for 10 years. He's been there for a while, and I asked him some advice as a young missionary, and Doug said, um, among the many pieces of advice he gave me, he said, Sam, don't do too much. He says a lot of missionaries come here. They get really busy. They start uh, food pantries. They, uh, they start these events. They, uh, they'll have clothes, clothes drives. They'll start to teach English classes. They'll 
maybe to do something fun, start like a ping pong tournament, and they forget to preach the gospel. They fill up their, uh, their lives with a lot of good things, but they forget to preach the gospel. He says, be careful, slow down, focus on what is most important. And I was very thankful for that because I, my personality is quite disposed to be very busy, try to get a lot of events going and be very productive. And I needed that. And I think most of us struggle to primarily preach. And we often fail to take care of those who we preach to and to pray. And Jesus, in this passage, he tells us in verse 38, he says, let us go somewhere else to the, town near, to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also. For that is what, what I came for. And the message tonight, or I always say that, this morning, the message this morning is that the mission was to preach primarily. And we can't forget that. But secondarily, Jesus also healed, cast out demons. And we need to make sure that we are concerned with people as well. And also from this passage, we see that we need to be prayerful people. That Jesus preached, he healed, and he was a prayerful person. And that is what we, uh, we need to become. Because we are his church. We are his body. Whatever Jesus was functioning, how Jesus functioned, we need to function together as Jesus. That's what the church is. And from this passage, we're going to see how we can function as a church. So, number one, because Jesus primarily taught, primarily preached, his church must primarily minister to the word. Um, and being a minister of the word, um, that's what he first did. Let's look at verse 21. If you have your Bible, please open your Bibles. Um, verse 21. What's the first thing Jesus does? And I know that some, maybe in the audience, has not uh, maybe listened to the other sermons or, or maybe has read the Gospel of Mark. But we have noticed that Jesus first, um, John came first, and he, he foretold that Jesus was going to come. And then Jesus was baptized. Then Jesus goes and gets his, well, then he has a temptation. He has his temptation. But then he gets four disciples, and he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And then this happens. This is his kind of debut, if you will. He goes to the synagogue in Capernaum, and this is what happens. They went into Capernaum, and immediately, that's Mark's, one of Mark's favorite words, immediately, on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and began to teach. They were all amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. That's an awesome debut. He has made everyone contrast his teaching with the scribes. And who are the scribes? 
They're the doctors at the school. They're the professionals. They, they do this. That's, this is what they do. Then Jesus comes, and who is Jesus? He's a son of a carpenter from Nazareth. Just someone off in the in the peripheral, you know. He comes and he starts teaching. Now, was this weird? Was this normal? It actually was. Normally, if you were in a synagogue, this is what I've read um, in some commentaries, that if a visiting rap, if, it, if there was a rabbi in the area, a synagogue would actually invite him in and say, hey, would you deliver a sermon in a way? Would you teach? And this is what would happen now that Jesus is not a rabbi. He was not known for this. And Jesus starts teaching as he has been invited, assumably. Jesus is bold. And I, we're, we're going to have to make some applications to ourselves. Jesus is bold. And he goes into the synagogue first. And he teaches. And we may be called sometimes to go on religious institutions, perhaps. Or if it's wherever we find ourselves. And to be able to speak the gospel clearly, truthfully, and boldly. Says he preached with authority. Uh, what does that mean? He preached with authority. Was Jesus some kind of authoritarian? He goes into a synagogue and just starts commanding people to do stuff, and everyone's like, "Whoa, whoa! He has authority." I don't think that's what it means. What does this mean that Jesus had authority? How could you recognize someone and say, "Wow, that person is teaching with authority"? Culturally, normally when someone would explain the scripture, kind of like what I am now, they would always refer to a prophet or they would refer to some rabbi. Rabbi so-and-so said this. That's you know, his conclusion and that's what we're going to stand on. Uh, rabbi so-and-so said this and then you would explain the text. How does Jesus, exp how does Jesus teach he says, you know, when we read, read in uh, Matthew, we hear, you have heard it said, but I say to you, right? You've heard it said, but I say to you. It, it's, a, it's a different kind. He is leaning on the authority of God. He says in John's gospel, I do not spoke, speak on my own initiative. Jesus is very clear. He's not just going to, I guess, shoot from the hip. Oh, he's God. Yes, he is God. But Jesus says, I do not speak on my own authority. I only speak, I only utter what God has allowed me to speak. Jesus is speaking with authority in this synagogue. And that makes people amazed. They were amazed at his teaching. And Jesus, I say vigorously, avoided misunderstandings. If Jesus' primary goal was to teach, what would be a huge concern for Jesus? Misunderstanding. And Jesus does not want the demons to give off his identity, which is very interesting. And later on, 
uh, we're, we, we already read it, but we're going to get back to it at the end of the sermon. What happens when Jesus heals the leper? He's the Messiah. This is great. This is great publicity. And if these demons are up, up there saying, you are the Holy One of God, be, be silent. Why would Jesus do this? I hope that I'm... This is a question I think that we would naturally raise as we read this. Why would Jesus stop them from saying something true? I think it's because they weren't ready for some truth. Um, what's that show? Uh, I think it's, with, uh, you know, you're not ready for the truth. Oh, I can't think of it now. But sometimes we're not ready for the truth. Their category, and this is how I'm going to explain it, their categories were not ready. When they, when, if they think that Jesus is the Messiah, what do they think? He is going to lead us to go fight the the. Romans, go get your swords. The Holy One of God is here. That's who they're expecting. And Jesus is very, very careful. Don't go saying things. They're not ready for this. They need to realize that the nature of the kingdom is different than that what they've thought. This kingdom is spiritual. As a leader, I am going to die for my people instead of kill others for it. It's just a different kind of kingdom. So Jesus says, hey, hey, you demons, you be quiet. Hey, if you were just healed of leprosy, and I think that when he tells Jesus to, or when he tells this leper not to speak to other people about this, I believe that Jesus is saying, I don't want people to think that I primarily came to be a healer because my primary goal is to what? It's to preach. And if everyone comes to me get, and gets healed, I'm not going to be able to get into these cities. And that's exactly what you read at the end of this, that he couldn't even enter a city because everyone was coming to him. Jesus doesn't want people to think that he is just a healer. He is just a messiah, some political uh, leader. He wants them to know that he is the son of God that is defined by the cross. That's who Jesus is. So Jesus wants to avoid... He vigorously avoids misunderstandings. Because? Because he came to teach. That's who his identity is. And he explicitly states it. And again, I want to read verse 38 again. And he said to them, let us remember, Jesus is out. He's praying by himself. And his disciples come saying, what are you doing? It's early in the morning. Everyone's looking for you. Jesus says, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also. For that is what I came for. Again, as we are the church, we have to primarily be concerned with preaching. That's what Jesus' primary, primary concern is, and that's what we are. Um, Again, in Romania, we've heard of these other missionary societies, is what they're called. And they bring in a lot of clothing and a lot of food, and um, they'll teach English, which are all good things. I'm not going to say they're bad things. But then you start realizing that they're not really teaching the word. They're, they're just a charity society. They're just doing something good, but they're not doing the best thing for these people. 
And that's preaching the gospel. And we need to be very careful that we primarily are concerned with the gospel and preaching it. Some applications I have written down. In the mid-hour men's meeting, maybe the first thing we can always talk about is, is, you know, what are we going to do this week to get the gospel out? In Lyansey, in Boonville, we are people primarily concerned with the gospel. The carpet needs to get, you know, not this carpet, but as an illustration, you know, the building needs to get taken care of. Uh, the driveway looks great. Uh, the driveway may, uh, has a, an example. It may need to get taken care of or something else. But let's first talk about how we're going to spread the news as a church. We need to be bold in our communities. When God gives us an opportunity to speak in a synagogue or on Facebook or at work, let us be a people who are primarily concerned with the word. Point number two. Because Jesus cared for his audience, his church must care for people. Teaching involves caring. Um, I'm sure you've heard the saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? If I'm going to learn from a teacher, if it's just some completely logical person who is saying very true things, but he does not care about me as a student, I'm not going to learn well. I, I, I'm actually, that kind of makes me, that kind of is a little bit coercive to me. I am very concerned with the truth, but I'm also a person, and I have some emotions where I am going to learn better from someone who cares for me. Uh, I, in, a, in a class right now, I'm studying Augustine, so I've just been, I'm, when I prepare a sermon, some of the ideas that I get from that class come up. But he wrote a book, I forget what it was called, but Augustine, it was, to, it was about him being a teacher and his son being a student. And what Augustine said is he says the two important things are first, to be a teacher, first you must love the student. And number two, love the subject. I think that's brilliant. But we all know. If we want to be a people who are concerned about the word, we're going to be a people who are concerned about the well-being of the people who listen to us. And that's exactly what we see Jesus do. Right? He's in the synagogue. What happens? A demonic, a demon-possessed man starts screaming. And Jesus heals him. Uh, and then we read about uh, Peter's mother-in-law. Let's read verse 29 to 32, or 31. So Jesus heals again. And immediately after they came out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a fever, and immediately they spoke to Jesus about her. And he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she waited on her. 
and I don't want this to go unnoticed. Jesus takes her by the hand. I think that's significant. One thing that Jesus most often does when he heals someone is he touches them. I think there's something about that to where Jesus has such a concern with people and he's, he's willing to empathize with them. Again, the whole idea behind the incarnation and the incarnation is a fancy term for Jesus or God becoming man. It's the man, man being God. Um, the Romanian word for meat or flesh is carne. Um, the incarnation. Uh, Jesus is not afraid to touch people and and to be friends and to love and to empathize and to live with people. Uh, Jesus loves him. He touches Peter's mother-in-law and then raises her up. And again, we see this at the end of the leper. Jesus heals the leper. Um, actually, could we read that right now? Verse 40. And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. And he said to him, See that, that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and to offer your cleansing, what, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, but stayed out in unpopulated areas, and they were coming to him from everywhere. Jesus wasn't afraid to, to love people and care for them, care for the people that he taught. Can you remember something that you have done because someone has loved you? someone has cared for you and that you 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 treated him differently because they impacted you um, as kind of a minor example um, I used to work on cars uh, I grew up near Chicago and uh, every time my friends would have a car with a problem with their car they'd come to me and I could uh, you know do something on it um, and I'd never charge them what a good friend I am. Most people I'd probably charge for uh, reimbursement. Because they were my friends. We had deposits with one another. We did things for one another. That's what friends do. That's what happens when there's care involved. There needs to be a relationship between the teacher and the student. And to be honest, this was the hardest thing on me. Um, Julie and I have been in Romania. Well, we're in Romania for a year. I was in Romania a year before that. Um, and it's hard to evangelize to a people that you can't really speak their language too well. And you want to care for them, but it's hard because you don't really know what they need. 
when, when you know what they need, you obviously can do it, but it, it's just difficult. But we need to care for those people whom we preach to. And be friends. And let me say something with caution. I don't know exactly how to word this. But let me say with knowing my heritage, that I grew up among the churches of Christ, I believe that we have focused not as much as we should on caring for others. That normally it's very but it's about the truth. Very logical, which is very, very good, and we need to support that. That it's true what we're teaching, but there needs to be a component to where we're loving people. And that we truly give ourselves to others. Jesus, how did Jesus say that people are going to make you my disciples? Jesus, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as, even as I have loved you. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, by your love for one another. We need to make sure that we're a loving group here. And that love may cost us something, as it did Jesus. So, some examples, or not examples, applications that I've thought of, which um, let me know if these are beneficial for you, uh, because I'm truly curious. If someone, a friend of yours, has a charity that they're trying to raise money for, and it's good charity, contribute. Show that you care about the person. Send letters to people. Take your neighbor's garbage out for them. Organize a fundraiser for a work group. Write a positive review for businesses if you uh, use them. Organize time to get to know people. Just in some way, make relationships with people and invest time and love into people. That's what Jesus did. And we need to be people who are primarily about the world. And that means that we're going to be a caring people. And my last point is because Jesus prayed, the church must be a prayerful people. Prayer, I think we normally think of as asking God for something, supplication. Pray for God, that means pray for something from him or ask for something from him. But as I read this section, and let's read it now, actually. So we're in Mark chapter 1 and verse 35 to 39. Ask yourself this. Is there anything in this passage that would suggest that Jesus is praying, is, is requesting something from God, or is he just praying because it's communal? That God, prayer is kind of a monologue. It's praying to God. It's talking to God, and that's how relationships thrive. So I want to say prayer is communion with God, and that's what I really see here. In Mark chapter 1, verses 35 to 39, let's read. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. 
He said to them, Let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby, so that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. And he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out demons. You see that? Preaching first, and then casting out demons. He, he primarily concerned with the word, but he also cares for those who he's preaching to. Jesus, I don't know what he prayed, so this is kind of speculation. What was Jesus praying for this morning? He went early in the morning and he started praying. Um, he could have been praying, you know, Lord, uh, show me where to go, or I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure. But I think a lot of it had to do with community, Commun communing with God. And if anyone didn't need to pray, maybe this is a bad statement. It's Jesus, <laughs> but that is just such. But it's if anyone is going to be praying, it's going to be Jesus, because He is the one who knows. God as he is and that draws him to prayer praying is communion with God but praying and praying is also strengthening um, you know again every time I pray and kind of pour out my desires right now Julie and I are going through a lot of transition with the baby with, you know uh, getting a house uh, living in America again I'm going through some transition, and you know, you pray to God, you ask Him that everything just works completely smoothly, that there's no seams in any of my plans, and then you get to the end of your prayer, and you're like, okay, now I have to say, let your will be done and not mine. And you're like, okay, you know, let your will be done and not mine. It's okay if the bank says, you know, forget you, <laughs> um, you have a sketchy history or something. It's okay, because God's going to take care of us, and prayer strengthens us. Also, prayer is effective. When you ask Jesus things, He does them, um, and you'll notice that. And um, He always answers prayers. Sometimes the answer is no. But he's always answer, answering prayer. One thing in the text here um, that I kind of noticed in passing. What did Ember, when Jesus gets to Simon and Andrew's house, what did they do? They said, hey, you know, they, they spoke to him about her. That's prayer. And what did he do? He took her by the hand and he raised her. That's what, that's, that's. Jesus' nature. We need to be present. 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence that we have before him. That if we need anything according to his will, he hears us. James 5, 16. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. If we're going to be Christ's body on earth, we need to be a prayerful people. So in conclusion, Jesus was primarily concerned with the word, but he also loved, he cared for people, and he was a prayerful person. And we need to be primarily concerned 
with the word and in our men's meet business meetings and in our communities, on Facebook or wherever. And we need to be looking for opportunities that we can care for others. Whether that's sending letters, getting to know people, that we need to be a prayerful people. Um, if you have a need tonight, today, this morning, we would like as a church to pray for you if you are not a Christian we'd like to talk with you and and to show you what is uh, how to how to be saved how to become a, how to partake of the body of Christ and you'd be added to your to this church today um, we'd love to talk with you being a part of the body, the living body of Jesus today on this earth, is a real privilege. God takes care of his people, and we are people to be envied. Or if you have been um, baptized, you have been saved, we would love to pray for you, if you have a desire. Whatever your wish is, please come forward as we stand and as we sing.